ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good morning. We have a very, very unusual treat for you and someone who absolutely is a game changer, but in a field that we don't normally talk about, and that is photography. And uh, as you get to know my guest, which is Ed Derrick, you are going to want to pick up the book that we're talking about. And I will share that with you in a second. But first, I want to welcome Ed and have him tell you a little bit about himself. Good morning, Ed. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And it's super great to be on air with you. Appreciate it. Um, I'm a photographer and an author. I just published my uh, sixth book. It's called War Moments. It's my first photography book. It's published by Amherst Media, an absolutely amazing book publishing company. They do, they specialize in photography books. And it's a showcase of my 118 best images from combat, from being embedded in Afghanistan, Iraq, and then during training for deployments uh, by American forces down into these war zones. So thank you so much, Chiggy, for allowing me to uh, talk about it. Oh, it is my pleasure. And I was first introduced to you. In fact, you may not know this, but you were one of my very first guests when I launched really? the show back in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I remember the interview so distinctly. In fact, I talk about it all the time. And this was one that you did with JJ Constant. And it did have some photos from you, but it wasn't this style of photo book. But I remember being so impressed with him as a young man who had been, I, I don't know, 19 or 20 or maybe maybe 21 uh, when he was in Afghanistan and, and you were along kind of for the ride, right? And, and for taking photos and being a part of that that experience. But he was just such an amazing leader. And you were just telling me before we got on the air a little bit about him today. Can, can you give us that update? Yeah, JJ's an amazing guy. He was an infantry officer in uh, <clears throat> Fox Company, 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines. And he played a very pivotal role during Operation Whalers, which was a, a historic operation in uh, Afghanistan in August of 2005. And I wrote about it in the book, Victory Point which was uh, my fifth book at mm. the time. And then he, uh, he was actually 23 years old uh, and he turned 24 uh, during a, a, a firefight uh, where, which ultimately led to victory in uh, over a very um, previously not known cell, but at that point, very renowned uh, enemy insurgent and terrorist cell. So right. he played a huge role. And now he's doing, uh, you know, he's out of, been out of the Marine Corps for a while. He's, uh, he's married, he's got four kids, and he is, uh, works at, a, at a, a very prestigious financial institution uh, in, um, in management. And so he's doing really well. He's, uh, well, and he's you know, I'm not surprised, but, but that particular show was a real departure for me because all of the shows leading up to it, and I had only been on the air about four months uh, when I interviewed uh -huh. you guys, but our audience is an executive audience, right? And, yeah. and yeah. most often we're talking about leadership, but that particular yeah. book was really about leadership, literally 
under fire. Yeah. You know, you know, JJ also does, uh, he's a speaker. He doesn't advertise it. It's just mm. word of mouth, but, uh, he has got a really great, um, you know, second career going as uh, oh, not a motivational speaker, but he's a speaker, you know, the leadership speaker, he goes around and, and talks to organizations, primarily sports organizations. So he's great. Um, he's uh, one of my closest friends and he's done really well. And it's just great to see that. It's great to see people be able to take, you know, their experience in the military, their leadership experience and to successfully translate that into the private sector. Got it. That's exactly what he's done. <clears throat> well, you know, and, and you helped the world learn learn about that by writing that book. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that I came across both of you. And what a treat it was. And, you know, I've been following you on, I forget whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn, but when I saw that you had come out with this book, I just had mm -hmm. to get in touch with you. And I am so glad that I did. And, you know, thank you so much for sending it in advance so that I would have a chance to look through it. And I was really, really touched by the way that uh, the former deputy director of Newsweek magazine wrote your foreword. And what he said, and I'm just going to read this last paragraph, what ties these images together is their portrait of humanity. They don't gloss over the tragic, frightening mess of war, but they do manage to honor the men and women involved, Afghans, Americans, Iraqis seeing their faces, watching them in action or in repose, we cannot push them out of our minds. Ed Derrick's photographs are indelible. And oh my God, that is just so true, Ed. And, and bravo for, you know, for first of all, having the courage to go off and do this. So why don't you tell our listeners how this happened? How does, how does a photographer end up in the war theater? Well, this all started for me really back in 2004, 2005. Um, I came from a mountaineering background and, you know, I'd always been interested in, in covering the military. And, you know, I, I started a, <clears throat> out of college, I, I started a publishing company because I was a photographer. You know, I shot a lot of photographs all the way going back to my earliest days of college. And I, you know, I started submitting to agencies, but I really wanted to get published. But then I also wanted to become, you know, an author. And uh, I, 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 I wrote a book and I published it. And this was way back in the 90s. And it actually did really well um, for, you know, that type of book, uh, an outdoor book. It was about climbing Mount McKinley. And I, um, I just, I continued on the outdoor photography path and mountaineering photography path and that changed or I shouldn't say it changed because I continued to do that stuff but I really um, and also as a writer in the spring of 2005 when I visited the, the Marine Corps Mountain Warfare Training Center and um, that I spent two weeks at this place it's in um, it's one of my favorite places in the world it's beautiful there uh, they it's a very important training facility they uh, train Marines, particularly during, uh, you know, the wars in, in the war in Afghanistan. Right. They, uh, they, they were training a battalion of Marines at the time there, or, or I should say a battalion of Marines was training there with their, with their help. It's a very unique training facility in that they both train people and they also facilitate training and sort of customize it for visiting units, uh, training regimens. And so, I was there for two weeks, which is much longer than most, uh, you know, embeds go. And I, I basically got an invitation 
by the battalion that was there to come to Afghanistan with them. And <clears throat> this was before Operation Red Wings, and they were actually planning it at the time. Uh, and then I, I was over there. I ended up going over there in uh, September of 2005, and I was there for about a month and a half. And that's where I learned about Operation Red Wings, Operation Whalers, and took tons of photographs and really got to see what it was, uh, what life was like on the ground for Marines in combat in the Hindu Kush of Eastern Afghanistan's Kunar province. Very restive. And how old were you when you first went? I was 34. Wow. 34 years old. And so. and had you ever wanted to serve? I mean, it, it just seems like such a an interesting role for someone, clearly with your background, because your storytelling is really unbelievable. Uh, your ability, uh, and as folks read this book, to see how you can tell a story in just a few paragraphs because the photo really tells the story, right? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, um, you know, it was trial, it was learning by fire. It was, uh, I, uh, you know, I paid my way over there. I, I wasn't working for any any media organization. It was Ed Derrick Photography was the media organization. <laughs> right. And I just went, I just went for it. And it turned out, it ended up being, you know, a very successful thing for me. You know, it wasn't, I didn't sit around and write a business plan and say, this is what I'm going to do as a business, but that's what it was right. in part, you know, it's a lot of things, but, um, you know, and I, I, uh, it was very dangerous, but it was also very re rewarding in a number of ways. You know, I got to become friends with people like JJ and Pat Kinzer and Matt Bartles, who all of, all of whom I, I discuss in the book victory point. Um, and it just in, in, in troves of photographs, right, many of right. which I um, have in, you know, in the, the, the new book. You know, and I, after that first embed in Afghanistan, I went back three more times and I went to Iraq twice. So that's where the bulk of all these images comes from in the book. And, you know, I'm really sorry I missed your, your book that was in between, uh, The Final Mission of Extortion 17. What was that yeah. about? That in uh, August 6, 2011, in the Tangi Valley of uh, Afghanistan's Maiden Wardak province, uh, there was a CH-47D Chinook helicopter with the call sign of Extortion 17. Uh, that was flying a reinforcement group of uh, Joint Special Operations Command personnel, uh, primarily members of Naval Special Warfare Development Group, uh, aka SEAL Team 6. Uh, and they were inbound for what's called an H helicopter landing zone. And an insurgent fired uh, an RPG and got a lucky shot and hit one of the rotor blades and knocked it out of the sky. Basically killed everybody within a quarter second uh, and mm. everybody on board died. So uh, it was uh, 38 people total, uh, 30 Americans uh, died. And it was the single greatest uh, single incident tragedy in the history of Naval Special Warfare and Joint Special Operations Command and the greater, the higher command mm -hmm. of them, Special Operations Command. And so there was a lot of questions about uh, how it happened, why it happened. And I went really in depth in, into that and answered those questions. I did it initially as a, as a magazine article for uh, Smithsonian's Air and Space Magazine, for whom I write frequently. I'm a contributing editor. And then Smithsonian Books became interested in, in uh, it as a book. Uh, to, to expand on the work that I've done in the magazine article. So that's been really mm, successful. Amazing. It's available as a hard hardcover ebook and also as audio book. I actually was uh, number three on Audible at one point. So 
a popular Amazing. book. So. Well, I will definitely have to get a hold of that one. So let's let's dive into war moments. And I, again, I don't normally read out of out of the books where I'm doing the interview, but I want people to get a sense for your own writing because this this was what you wrote in your introduction. I'm just going to take the last paragraph. My overarching intent of this book is to provide a unique and lucid window onto modern war and the modern war fighter. I want readers to immerse themselves in each image and to understand each photogra photographically captured moment through its narrative. The form, excuse me, the format of war moments allows readers to start anywhere in the book, to read it cover to cover or to jump around. It's a visual odyssey, one that will bring a greater depth and breadth of understanding with each turn page. And oh my God, that's so true. But I will tell you one little secret is once you start reading, it's really, really hard to put it down. And even though each photo is its own chapter and are not necessarily sequential, um, I found it really hard to put down, Ed. So uh, pick it up at your own risk. <laughs> Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I put a lot of thought into this um, <clears throat> and I worked very closely with the publisher and they were great. They gave me a lot of latitude. And then in the end, they really did a, a magnificent job in the layout because it's difficult to do a fusion book like this. I, yes. I don't really know of any book like this. Um, Every photograph, every page has a photograph, but it's got associated text to go along with it. And it's just enough to really explain the story behind the image. And Definitely. that's what I wanted to do because, you know, you look at these images and you think, wow, this is, it's engrossing because, you know, not so much for aesthetic reasons, but because it's so foreign to most people, these places and these activities. Right, literally. <laughs> and yeah. And so it's, it's and then you read about it and you think oh wow that's interesting and, and then you turn the page and there's another image and it's totally right. different you know there's a i just opened up to page 24 and 25 and there's a shot of a silhouette of the uss poe at dusk and then on the right the page the next page it's passers-by which is uh some afghan children walking by right. you know and it's just it's just all over because when you people would tell me or ask me what's it like to go to war and, and well how much time do you have? And exactly. I thought over the years, the best way to explain that was a, um, a, a fusion of both images as well as, as narrative. But Definitely. narrative tied intimately to the image that, because every photograph, there's not just a story behind it, there's many stories. And yes. what's the most salient story behind each? And so that's, that was one of the, that was one of the, that was one of the components that I put a lot of effort into. Right. Well, I want to I want to start actually with the photo on page 17, which uh, quite literally jumps off of the page at you because it it uses not only the local uh, scene. Right. And, and I want you to kind of set this up for us, but it has some amazing uh, things that come out of the technicality of your career, right, was, which is the ability to use time lapse and to use light and color to tell a story. Yeah, the, uh, the Ford operating base at night. Um, that's, um, yeah, I used, uh, you know, it was, I carried a lot of camera equipment with me, uh, including oftentimes two tripods, uh, 
really uh, precision machined ball heads and then high-end can well film you know, Nikon cameras you know I this spans over 10 years so right you know some of them were Nikon film cameras that were all manual some of them were you know the highest end Canon digital cameras this image I shot on a Canon 1DS Mark III EOS 1DS Mark III and I used a 24 millimeter lens uh, that was what they call very fast lens it was uh, the aperture the, the widest aperture is f1.4 uh, which indicates how much light it lets in. And that's a really, um, it's an expensive uh, precision lens, and it's really good for nighttime photographs like that. And I I opened up the, uh, I exposed it, and to get some of the, the uh, you know, starlight, star trace, star trails, as well as the towers and the lights of the uh, troops walking by. So you see what it looks like at night. Uh, but you also get an idea of motion from the people walking by. You can see the, the light streaks and the you know as their heads bob by. So right. that was a that was a, I really enjoyed taking that shot and and was happy to put it in the book. Well, it it is uh, really a testament to uh, again your craft and so many of of the other ones that I'm going to bring out uh, have to do with what an amazing eye you have to be able to catch the moment. And the next moment I want to talk about is actually on page 31. And as you take a look at this photo, it, it is taken at dawn. And I'm going to let you tell the story. Yeah, one of my favorite all-time photographs. Wow, I'm glad you pulled that one out. This was actually used on the cover of a John Krakauer book, the hardcover version. It was a number two New York Times bestseller called Where Men Win Glory. It's about mm. Pat Tillman. And it was used in the cover of uh, a lot of different <clears throat> foreign versions as well, in UK and in, um, in, in Germany and Italy. And it's actually uh, the Afghan it's Afghan fighter at dawn. I was embedded at Fort or not Fort Arbor Base, but Firebase Blessing, which was a small little uh, frequently attacked outpost that was uh, manned and commanded by. Uh, Marines, uh, Marines of uh, 1st Platoon, Echo Company, 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marine Regiment. And it was commanded by Matt Bartles, uh, who's a really good friend of mine now. Uh, he was 25 at the time, a 1st Lieutenant. To have someone like who's that young commanding an entire base, and it mm. was, you know, it got attacked sometimes every day, mortars and rockets. And it was uh, outside the village of Nongalam. I don't know if people are familiar with the movie Lone Survivor, but that that base is where the uh, Afghan villager brought the the survivor's note to, and Matt coordinated helped coordinate that rescue. Yes, it's right yes. near where that happened. <clears throat> but um, there was a number of what are called ASF Afghan security forces that lived there. <clears throat> pardon me, with the uh, with the Marines, and they were local fighters, many of whom had fought against the Soviets in the Soviet Afghan War, and so they're really capable fighters. And they would go out on combat operations and patrols with the Marines so that they could use their local knowledge. And, uh, you know, they spoke the language and they knew the terrain. They knew the, the human terrain as well as the physical terrain. And <clears throat> about a couple of days before I showed up at, at Camp Blessing, Blessing, Camp Blessing was named after Jay Blessing, a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment, who was killed in the area in 2003 by an improvised explosive device. And just as some backdrop, but... 
a couple days before I arrived in September of 2005, there was a mortar attack and it killed uh, Lance Corporal Stephen Valdez, who was, I believe, 20 or I think 20 years old. And so they launched Operation Valdez. Uh, he was killed with a, a shrapnel from a mortar and they were able to um, loosely identify the point of origin where the mortar system came from. But they put together this, uh, the Marines put together this, this um, operation and they swooped. We, I joined, I joined in with them and the Chinook helicopters came with Apache gunships and A-10 attack jets. And uh, we loaded up uh, and then they, and we landed on the, uh, on this ridge line. Before that, they were, they were mortaring it. You know, the Marines were mortaring it. They do a thing called suppression of enemy air defenses. Basically, you know, you drop a bunch of mortars and there's, right. you know, just in case there's anybody up there with RPGs. Just three months before, a helicopter, special operations helicopter was shot down uh, right across the valley from there. So it was a big, you know, it was very risky. So mm -hmm. um, we ran off the helicopters and then offloaded all the food and water and they took off. And then the Marines started going out on patrol with the ASF and they finally found this cave complex where they, were, they had hid the um, system. And they had 150 pounds of uh, C4 high explosives and they blew the cave complex up. But before they did that, it was at dawn, and this Afghan fighter jumped up on this rock pinnacle and was looking out towards toward dawn. And I got in position with an Nikon F5 or F6. I have it here written down. Um, yeah, Nikon F6 in a, in a wide-angle zoom lens and braced myself because it was low light and took a number of photographs, and that was uh, my favorite one of him holding his AK-47 over his shoulder. So. Yeah, and it, it really is stunning. And, you know, it's so funny because I, as I think about this, I think that this is uh, the first time in 10 years that I've ever tried to have someone describe anything other than a book cover, right? And here we are trying trying to do that on, on photos that you really do have to experience. So, I mean, the good news is that they have to go out and buy your book, Ed. <laughs> So, so the next you. one, the next one is another one that, you know, I think is just a technical marvel. And again, uh, since I am not a photographer, when I see this stuff, it's like, how did they do that? So uh, this one is on page 33 about a place called okay. Yodaville. Yeah, I, I guessed that that was going to, I opened the page and I thought, <laughs> oh, she's going to talk about Yodaville. Um, so Yodaville was the brainchild of uh, Marine H1W Super Cobra pilot, uh, Major, uh, can't remember his first name, Usury. Floyd. I think I have it written yeah. down. Floyd and Usury. Floyd Usury, yeah. <clears throat> and they needed a, what's called an urban target complex. So they built a city out in the desert. The Marines did. They took a bunch of container ships, container ship, you know, containers from container ships, and they, <clears throat> they stacked them up, sometimes four high, and they, they, they laid it out like a, like a city. And mm. then they would to, they would they bring in jets and helicopter gunships and they attack it and just to give them you know to to train helicopter pilots helicopter gunners uh, attack jet pilots uh, all sorts you know as well they teach the people uh, what are called JTACs Joint Terminal Attack Controllers uh, people may be familiar with the term FAC Forward Air Controller it's a similar thing where there's someone on the ground basically directing the, the fires from the air onto the target. And um, I, I, they, when they shoot, there's tracer rounds linked in that 
caught LinkedIn and there's belts of machine gun rounds. And then every fourth or fifth or 10th will be a red tracer. <clears throat> and as well, they fire these rockets, these 2.75 inch diameter Hydra 70 uh, point detonation, high explosive rockets. They're actually, they don't, all the rounds are, the rocket rounds don't actually blow up because that would really destroy the place. It's just, <laughs> the, 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 the village itself, the town is just shot full of all sorts of holes. But um, so at night they do night close air support training casts, uh, close air support training, uh, close air support is a type of mission. It's very dangerous where the friendly troops are in close proximity to enemy troops that are being fired upon from the air. So uh, I was with a group um, they call a TACP, Tactical Air Control Party, that was <clears throat> just 300 meters from the target. And of course, you know, everybody wears a flak jacket, uh, Kevlar helmet, because a lot of times the helicopters are firing like almost right over you and they drop their, the, the bullet casings come flying out and mm -hmm. uh, those can really hurt you. But um, this shot, uh, you get the star. I opened up a uh, wide angle lens and I, you know, I let it go for five minutes as the gunships came by and you can see the red streaks from the tracers mm -hmm. and the streaks in the, uh, the rockets. And then it's a pretty interesting shot. And I'm glad you, you picked that one out. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, and I love what you say. Live fire training is exciting and it's loud and it makes for great photographs day and night. <laughs> and right yep, across yeah. from that one uh, on page 32 is one called Behind Bulletproof Glass. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that was uh, in the city of Haditha. I'm actually finishing up a book right now about the deployment of the 2nd Battalion of the 3rd Marine Regiment to the Haditha region of Iraq in 2006 to 2007. Uh, it's called Warriors of Anbar. It's gonna be published later this year. And this was when I was with them. It was in, I was there in early 2007. And it was, uh, it was a brutal, brutal deployment for the battalion. It was so rough uh, for so many reasons. And it's just, an, it's an untold story. They, they, it was really the last stand of Al Qaeda in Iraq. It was a full, you know, six months before the lionized surge happened. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, you know, it was, there was snipers, there was foreign snipers that came in. Um, and they were, some of these snipers were so good that they from, you know, not a mile off, but from, you know, several hundred meters had killed a number of Marines. And so this Marine is standing on post, which is a very monotonous uh, job. It's anybody who's been in the military will know what standing post means, but you're basically on guard duty, looking out over the city. And um, in order to protect the Marines, they put up this bulletproof glass that they had from some Humvees and uh, other tactical vehicles. And so that would protect them because, you know, you just stand there for six, seven hours, uh, I guess three to six hours. I think that's the <laughs> still a long time, probably feels like yeah. seven or eight. Yeah, exactly. Or more. So, right. and this was right at sunrise, uh, looking out over the city of Haditha. Mm. And I was up there with this Marine and the lighting was just right. And it was reflecting off his uh, ballistic glasses. And uh, you can even see how it's from a vehicle. It's, it's cracked in one spot and you can get a little bit of the, the, the sunlight image on the uh, city in the distance. So right. it was a cool yeah. photograph. Uh, the next one, and hang on, there's no page number on this page. So it is 54. Five is the page, 
And a lot of the, the photos in this book are of single individuals or maybe a couple of people. This one really gives the sense of belonging, the sense of team. My, my son happens to be a three-sport athlete, and he plays football, which probably is the, the most team-oriented of all of his sports. And, you know, this reminds me of the huddle, not only before the game where they're planning, uh, but they also do a similar huddle at the end of the game where they actually pray and thank God that they came through and skated, right? And I can only imagine that some of those same things happen either formally or informally in the squad circle. Yeah, the, the title of, of the uh, of the image is Squad Circle. And this is right before everybody went out on a patrol. And, you know, it's an intense moment. Uh, everybody checks, double checks, and triple checks everything, especially during this deployment. This was in Iraq. This was during that 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines uh, Iraq deployment. And there was, it was incredibly violent, and it was incredibly uh, difficult uh, because, the you know, I'm writing about it now in the book Warriors of Ambar, and it's uh, one of the chapters is, you know, against an army of phantoms on a battlefield of shadows because, you know, you get shot at and you go to look to shoot back and you don't know, you know, who, where are they? They just disappear. Right. And so it's very difficult, very, very frustrating. It requires intense focus, and t incredible detail planning and integration with uh, all components of a, of a squad. And this was just before everybody stepped outside the wire, me included. And I got down and I looked up and I had this, you know, I go, oh, this is a great image. This is a great perspective. And so I got, I grabbed all these guys all at one shot. So yeah, it was amazing. Favorites. And uh, you just referred to uh, outside the wire. Uh, and I, I came across that term a couple of times in the book and it took me a little bit to figure out what the wire was. Yeah, that's a term for the perimeter of the base. So when you're outside the wire, you're no longer in the safety of a combat outpost or a right. uh, or, or a fort operating base. And in in that in Iraq, it wasn't even really that safe because they would mortar and throw hand grenades and do rocket attacks, and the the the, the enemy rounds would land inside the wire all the time. But once you get outside the wire, you're really you know it's really very dangerous. And so that's what um that term i do use it a lot i believe i defined it early on i hope i did uh and it's um but it's you know it's a fairly standard term but um unless you've been around the military you're probably not familiar with it right right um the next one uh and again i'm i just am a sucker for for these ones that you did at night where you're you're doing a, a bit of a time lapse and yep. this one was a three-minute exposure. It's on page 64 of the Ospreys at night. Yep, I, I just turned to it just as you were describing it. That is one of my favorite shots. That was uh, um, the Osprey is an amazing aircraft. It's not just when it came out, it wasn't just a new aircraft. It was a new type of aircraft, a tilt rotor, which is a fusion of a helicopter and a fixed-wing aircraft. So it takes off and lands vertically and can hover like a helicopter. But the nacelles, uh, the, which hold the engines and, the, and what are called the prop rotor assemblies, prop rotors are portmanteau of, uh, of propeller and rotor. You know, and helicopters have rotors and airplanes mm -hmm. have propellers, so it's a prop right. rotor. And so they transition from helicopter mode to airplane mode, and you can fly like an airplane. Uh, and I was embedded with VMM-261, uh, Marine Medium Tilt Rotor Squadron 261, 
which was the first squadron to go to Af- Marine Corps Osprey Squadron to go to Af- the Afghan War. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a historic moment. And I flew around with them for about two weeks. I was in the cockpit, in the jump seat. I was in the hold. Wow. I interviewed everybody. And I took a ton of photographs of them. And this is one of my favorites. It's at night. Um, as the line of these V-22 Ospreys are spinning up, it's got the prop rotor tip lights on. So there's this, these circular streaks. And it's just, uh, you know, you can see some of the stars. And it was a real... You know, I just, I used, again, I used a tripod, uh, one of my Canon, one DS Mark III digital cameras, and then, again, that really wide-angle 24-millimeter lens, and I, I, I got a, I shot it, this scene a number of times, but this by far was the best one. I love it, so mm-hmm. thanks for pointing that one out. Well, and, and you mentioned that this was a dream project of yours, uh, because of getting to ride in that amazing vehicle. And I, I want to uh, have as the last one that we talk about today, and thank you uh, for offering to do a, a second show, because I, I have a whole bunch more that I've flagged, but uh, I wanted to keep this show to 30 minutes. But I do want to stop with the photo on the uh, on the corresponding page that actually is the cover photo for the book. And we're going to talk about the others uh, in a couple of weeks when uh, when your schedule permits. But tell me a little bit about Mike Scholl and why this became the photo that was the cover image. Well, this is, I love this. Just visually, it's probably, I think, personally, the best photograph I've ever taken. It's been used on magazine covers. It was on a Hallmark greeting card commemorating uh, Memorial Day for mm. the Marine Corps. Uh, it's been used a lot. And it's Mike and I, Mike is a Marine Corps 0331. That's an MOS number four machine gunner. And I met him right after I got to Camp Blessing in Afghanistan for my first embed. He was 20 at the time, and we became really good friends really quickly, as people do in war zones. And, and um, very just a great guy, gentle giant. He's like 6'3". And... Um, we, uh, I was with him during this one big combat operation. We were climbing up the side of a mountain before dawn, and we got up just as the sun rose up above the, of the, of the, you know, the eastern horizon. And I saw this scene materialize, and I shot this silhouette of him. And it's just really, I think it's really emblematic of not just the Marine Corps, but of you know the modern American warfighter. And um, love the image. And then we uh, maintained contact. Uh, I, I saw him again back in Hawaii when during the memorial for his battalion, uh, and he introduced me to his wife. They had just been married, and then I saw Mike again in uh, 29 Palms, uh, California. They were getting ready to go to Iraq, and uh, his wife was pregnant. And then he went to Iraq, and she gave birth to their daughter. You know, he was 21 at the time, and um, he was so looking forward to getting home and meeting his daughter and being reunited with his wife. But uh, that didn't happen because a massive IED improvised explosive device uh, blew up under a Humvee. He was um, on which he was manning a machine gun and he, uh, he hung on, but he just couldn't, he eventually succumbed to his wounds and uh, he died. Wow. So it's, um, uh, yeah, it's a, I don't want to say it's a tragic photograph, but it's, it's a tragic story ultimately. Right. Um, but it's the, it's, one of the things about this book is, you know, with the narrative, I wanted it to be very real and, and convey, you know, the, the highs and lows of war. And, uh, right. and that's, that's one of the 
that's one of the deep dark lows so right well you have done a masterful job and i can't wait to talk to you again so we'll get that set up soon and ed just thank you for your time this morning and thank you for putting all of this in this book and in fact i i suspect that there are are folks who this is really a, a healing book for them because maybe they didn't get to really hear about some of those moments that you captured and you you just treated everything with such amazing respect. So again, thank you so much. We've been talking with Ed Derrick, who is both the author and the photographer behind an amazing book of images and stories of combat in Iraq, Afghanistan, and beyond. The book is called War Moments. You're going to want to grab a copy of this before we do the second half of this interview, because it will be so different when you're actually looking at it and hearing the story behind the story from Ed. Ed, thank you so much, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. It's been great, and I'm looking forward for the second round of this. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald.